Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Nathan Cassiotis. I'm a business growth expert where I help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today, I have an awesome guest. His name is Alec Pearson, and he's an engaging and entertaining speaker, as well as a highly esteemed, certified professional coach who has helped individuals and organizations reach their full potential. And Alec is a true believer in the core dynamics methodology, which works from the very foundations outwards to help clients realign their energy and facilitate them to becoming true masters of themselves. Alec harnesses this method to help his clients from top level leaders and business executives to graduates finding their way in the workplace with transitions being an inevitable part of life. Alec has also appeared as a panelist on IPEC Coaching's Core Dynamics teaching videos, discussing career transition, showcasing his depth of knowledge and experience. Alec's coaching experiences help his clients and audiences alike to navigate the ever-changing workplace. Burnout, imposter syndrome, and the challenge of managing remote and hybrid teams are increasingly common issues for business leaders. Alec is an expert in helping clients overcome these key challenges by unblocking factors impacting their productivity and happiness. With his 10 years of teaching experience and guest lecturing appearances, Ali can also provide valuable insights into generational differences in the workforce. Welcome, Ali Pearson, and thank you for being on my show. Hello there, and thank you very much for, for inviting me on. A real pleasure. Yeah, awesome, mate. I'm sure it's going to be a great show for everyone watching and listening today. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, Please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey. Yeah, well, my my journey started in IT. Um, I was doing technical IT for 18 years. Then I decided, oh, I've been here for quite a while. What do I do next? And I'll never forget, and I, I, I must plug my finance director, who back in 2008 said to me, Alec, you need to do an MBA. You've worked in IT all this time. But go and learn more about business, understand more of the background and the processes. I followed her advice and went on to do an MBA. And during the MBA, it was a fantastic reflective time for me because then I thought, with all this new knowledge, do I go back to IT or do I go and do something different? And it got me thinking the part I loved when I was a senior manager was actually developing my team, my teams. So I, from there, decided, no, I'm going to move into people development, talent development. Did my MBA at the University of Glasgow, and I actually said to the MBA director, can I teach leadership? Can I do a module? I'll do it for free, uh, just to see how I would progress as a, as a kind of trainer. I did that. It worked really well. And... It's, it led on to a 10-year career doing a lot of teaching around leadership, management, uh, business skills, strategy, and professional skills development. Um, and then after 10 years of doing that, I thought, right, what's next? And the part that was missing for me when I was training was having longer-term relationships with those I was developing. So after deep thought, I said, oh, actually, maybe it's coaching because coaching is more one-to-one -one, it's or, or it's small group, much longer term. And you're, you're with that client on their journey. Um, and then I did all my coaching qualifications and 
here I am now as a, as a full-time coach. Still do a little bit of teaching, um, but predominantly just uh, coaching is, is, is what I do. And I focus on uh, career and leadership coaching, but from a framework of strengths and core energy coaching. Yeah, awesome, mate. Love that story. And I've done an MBA as well, and it was a pivotal time for me from not doing any study beforehand to that. And I think there's a lot of great realizations and knowledge that comes out of that. So I love that that story of that trigger point and that manager, you know, leader that actually helped you go on that journey. And then you're now able to, you know, give back, right, to others um, in, in a big way through leaders and managers or through directly, um, you know, through individuals um, at the same time. Really powerful. And so... Let's talk about, let's get into it now and talk about, um, you know, strengths, right? And then how do you utilize these strengths and I guess core energy um, coaching approach into what you do, whether it's individuals, organizations, um, you know, to facilitate, you know, growth, performance and, and skills development? Well, it all depends on the client need. Now, I might have a client that comes to me and says, look, I'm looking to move into a new career. Generally, I'm okay. I'm quite enthusiastic. So on that basis, I will then very much concentrate on a strengths-based coaching approach. And it's all about getting the, the client to understand what are their top strengths and how do we make those strengths stronger because they appear to work for you. That's how you, at the moment, you naturally work. However, if I have a client that's coming to me they might be feeling quite stressed. Typically, they are anxious. They're fearful for the future. They're frightened. Or they feel they just cannot move on. They're feeling blocks. If that's the case, then I start with core energy coaching. Because for me, what we need to understand and the client needs to understand is what is causing this energy block, this inner block, and then what we do, we work deep down to find out what is happening and then try and, res and, and resolve that using energy frameworks to make the client feel better. We remove those blocks. Then we can go on to think, right, now we've done that. What is your next goal? What do you want to achieve now? Yeah, awesome, mate. Love that. And understand different approaches right it's not a one-size-fits-all you've got to tailor things depending on the person which i love and their situation and um let's get a bit more into the tools now right i know you have some specific development and awareness tools that you use in your your coaching approach do you want to share a bit more about them and how you know we can use them effectively yeah so from a strength-based perspective um the tool i use and my clients love is gallop lifting strengths this is a 30 to 40 minute assessment that my client will do. And you get a report immediately that lists in order your 34 strengths. Now, we typically want to concentrate on your top 10 to top 12 strengths. We need to be aware of the strength sitting in the middle. And then at the end, yes, yeah, some awareness, but do we want to concentrate on what we don't def define as a weakness? but we define as a much lesser strength. So if we focus on our top 10, top 12, and then we say, right, how do we make those strengths stronger? Because Clifton Strengths is very good at saying, and you know, my clients, they agree with 95% of the report on average. 
So it's a very high acceptance rate and, and awareness rate for clients with Clifton Strengths. And so we then look at what they're typically doing, how they typically use those strengths. But what I love about Clifton Strengths, it then says, right, to improve these strengths, you need to do X, Y, and Z, but watch out for blind spots. And this for clients is where I typically hear, oh yes, I do that. Actually, I need to resolve that. So we, we dig really deep. I mean, I could spend two, three, four sessions analyzing the Clifton Strengths Report with our clients, with my clients. But what is interesting, immediately I typically see clients suddenly feel much more motivated, suddenly building their self-awareness, which a lot of them typically don't have. You know, when I always ask clients, and sometimes I might do a SWOT analysis with them, and I say, right, okay, let, let's fill in the SWOT analysis. Let's find out more about you. What's the box they typically want to fill in first? Strengths. The weaknesses. No, well, well no. Oh, it's, really? It's the weaknesses box. Yeah. Interesting. Because they typically are too busy saying what they're bad at. And I have to say, no, no, stop, right? Let's focus on what you're good at. But typically with my clients, I'm really having to get them to reflect, to write down what their strengths are. And I might well do some prompting. Say, for example, I, I, it was a number of months ago, I was working with this head of, uh, head of marketing. And I said, okay, so you're struggling to fill in your strengths, but what have you achieved in your role in the past three to six months? Tell me a great campaign. Tell me how your team's developed. And then suddenly it starts to spark. Oh, well, actually I did do a good campaign, right? And it was really successful. What about you made that successful? And then you start to go deep and, and, and then it starts to get the client thinking, oh, I'm quite good here. And when I see a smile, I'm like, yes, right. We're making some progress. That's good. Um, so that that for me, you know, going back to Clifton Strengths, that is a tool that I, you know, I use a lot when it comes to strengths and, and building self-awareness and, and for clients to understand their strengths. When it comes to energy, now there's a number of different tools I use. Now, I was fortunate. I did my coach training with IPEC, um, who are seen as one of the top coach providers in the world. And they gave us some really great tools that enable me to go very deep with the client and understand what those what's causing the inner blockers. Now, typically for some clients, this is about limiting beliefs. Some of that you could link to imposter syndrome. I don't deserve anything. I'm not good at, and um, I shouldn't be getting that. It's all that kind of negative stance and typically, this is what comes from what we call catabolic energy. So if we're, as I mentioned earlier, if we're stressed, we're fearful, we worry, or we start to blame others, there's aggression there, right? This is all catabolic energy, which typically is not good for us. And then I need to probe using these frameworks and tools, what is causing this? Now, it might take two, three, four sessions for me, and the, for me and the client to understand what is causing 
the, the particular, you know, lack of energy or the, the, the block they're actually experiencing. And I had one client who was really impacted by lockdown. And it's interesting, if we think about the past couple of years, there's been a lot of disruption, right? And that is having an, had an impact, and for many is still having an impact. And during this particular client, during lockdown, they barely left their room. After four sessions, we found out what was going on. There was what we call a gremlin. There was this thing, voice, saying, no, you can't do this. No, you can't go out. And so it went on. And we delved in. We got to the bottom, found that gremlin. And then what we have to do is release that gremlin and get it doing something else. So just move it out of the way. And by session five, the client came back and said, I feel like a different person. I can suddenly move forward. So the core energy tools are extremely powerful. But on top of that, like Clifton Strengths tells, you know, tells clients what their strengths are, there's also a tool called the Energy Leadership Index, ELI for sure, which I'm accredited in. And I will use that with clients because, again, it gives me more depth and understanding of what is causing not just catabolic energy. So what, you know, what's causing low levels of energy, but also tells me what makes your energy anabolic to higher levels of energy. And when I have that report in front of me and I'm working with the client on this, we get this whole self-awareness. Of, of what is what is changing your energy levels and what's impacting it. So as I said, there's a lot of good tools out there which I use. And you know, for me, it's just what I love about this job, when you when the, the impact they have and how it can change a client is just breathtaking. And you know, it, it, that's what gets me out of bed to just to work with these clients and help them move forward. So yeah. Love it, mate. It's the, it's the power of coaching, right? We don't know what we don't know. We're in our box and we need somebody yeah. outside of there to uh, let us see that, pull the, pull the mirror or use tools, you know, which allow us to get that awareness and then have the breakthrough. So I love uh, love all these different tools um, that you're using um, depending on the situation and how you improve them. And I guess, you know, we're all wanting to get, we've all got potential to some extent, right? Like, you know, we've, we're something whether, you know, where we've grown up or we've got all this untapped potential and we all want to, I guess, achieve that to an extent and get to our full potential. But there's a lot of challenges and things, right? That, that can come up obstacles um, that happen along the way. It's not just life isn't just easy where it just goes up. Right. Um, so do you want to talk about how we can overcome, you know, some common challenges or obstacles when we're trying to really um, achieve our full potential? I think what I typically find with my clients, and I can talk personally as well, if we sit back and think, okay, life isn't that easy. Let, let's be honest. For many of us, there are many challenges. There's many ups and downs. And what I find, and I was the same, we sometimes take this personally. It's against us. You know, life is, is playing against us. And... What is, what is interesting, and I see this with group coaching, that if someone in the group is talking about a particular challenge they have or an issue they've got, then suddenly I look at the body language of everyone else in the team, and I'm saying to myself, I wonder if they've got similar challenges. And typically it transpires 
they 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 didn't say this to anyone, but they resonate with the person that was talking. And then we start to find out that other people are maybe thinking the same as us. Okay. So I think number one is we've got to maybe talk a little bit more, okay, about how we are feeling deep down. Now, don't get me wrong. I know in a lot of workplaces, this is not typically easy to do, but maybe, and it's something I want to talk about later is, you know, maybe we need to bring more of this coaching culture in many more organizations. It's starting, I think, particularly in the larger organizations from what I see. But if we create this safe space, this confidential space where our team members can talk and actually tell us deep down what's going on, we need trust without doubt to do that, right? We've got to have the right environment to do that. But it's amazing, you know, when we understand when we hear what others are saying, it can make us feel better because we feel we are not alone. But the other aspect I would bring into this as well is understanding our resilience levels. And maybe, maybe this is a mindset change for some of us. It certainly was for me. Because when everything was going wrong for me years ago, when I was much younger, a little bit, you know, kind of wet behind the ears, you know, I thought this is all against me. I'm fighting this battle. I'm, you know, pushing against the door that never opens. But then, and it took me a few years to realize it, actually going through situations that were not comfortable for me, that caused me a lot of stress, actually was a wonderful learning curve for me. And when I talked earlier about teaching, I, I, one of the programs I developed was a professional skills program, and I worked with thousands of students on this. And the program was based, some of it was based on what I did wrong. And I'm kind of saying, look, these are, this is what might happen to you. These are the stresses that happened to me. Some of the students were quite shocked and going, really? Is that, is that what really happens? I went, unfortunately, yes. But then how I dealt with that. So it gave me, you know, two parts. It, it made me stronger because I looked at it and thought, what do I learn from this? How do I become better? But it actually provided me a tool for teaching, you know, a big topic area. But there was one, one interesting thing, though, and I'll never forget this comment from a member of my team. And again, this was years ago when I was a manager. And again, you know, maybe for something for us to think about. Those hard times... Someone said to me, Alec, how did you learn to be a great manager? I says, because I learned how not to be a manager. Because I'd experienced some managers who I didn't feel were great. Maybe I didn't get on with them. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I, so I kind of turned the negative into a positive. So maybe if I wrap this up, maybe this is all linking to a growth mindset. Okay, if we accept challenges happen, we think, well, what can we, how can we turn this into a positive? It may take a while, maybe it's a long-term positive, but how do we grow? How do we become stronger? And how do we learn from what is happening to us now or, or what happened to us then when we're doing our next thing, when we're doing our next task, when our next project? Because the amount of times when I'm doing anything, I link back to my past is actually quite high. 
And I think, right, remember that, Alec? Ah, that's not the way to do it because you saw the pain that happened when you did it that way last time or when someone else did it that way. Yeah, I love it, mate. So powerful, that section. And a couple of points I just want to reiterate. And one thing one of my coaches told me was when you commit to something, life will test you, right? It's almost like the universe, right? Like you say, yeah. you're going to go to the gym and then it's like pissing down rain, you know, the next day or something, you have to walk outside. It's like, how committed are you, right, to doing this? It's the same in any area of life as you would you would know. So challenges are going to come up and it's that commitment that, you know, going through and then, you know, the stresses or whatever, like you were mentioning there, that pop up and um, mm -hmm. building that resilience. And I remember I was um, extremely stressed in my final year before I left um, and, and started my first business. But I, I, I wanted to actually see my stress threshold and go, well, how much can I actually take of this? Because I know I'm building a threshold here and it's going to be easier for me to do stuff. And yes, there were techniques for me to reduce the stress because it's not good to be in a, in a high stress state. But um, understand that stress is always there. It's how we regulate, you know, the stress and everything is that you can never have no stress, right, um, in your life. So we've got to keep pushing ourselves, like you mentioned, that growth mindset and everything. So I loved, love that section um, that you just mentioned there. And um you know, in an organization, we really want to be successful, right? We have to be. Otherwise, um, you know, there's not going to be an organization. And and a lot of the time, it's the people and the culture, right, that we're doing here. So if we're really wanting to improve the culture and looking at, like, you know, productivity and motivation and things like that, how can we really do that so to ensure, you know, the organization will become successful? It's a great question. And I think it comes at the a right time. Um over the past couple of months, there's been a lot of reports coming out from McKinsey, from Gallup, looking at the state of the workplace at the moment, you know, what's working and what's not working. And I've got some stats here um, that kind of tell us what's going on. And I think what was interesting, that employee engagement, and these are global figures, has dropped to a seven-year low. And, and what it's causing is slumped productivity. Now, some of the causes of that is typically staff are saying that we've got a lack of expectations. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing. We don't feel part of the team or we don't feel part of the organization. We don't know the common purpose. And it's interesting, you know, I speak to, you know, when I speak to clients, I say, so why is your job important to you? Oh, sorry, why is your job important to the organization what do you do for the team what's the point of your team and it's surprising how many people can't answer that they say i don't know and again that has an impact on how they're feeling because they think well what's the point of what i'm doing there needs to be that kind of purpose but if we so what leads on to that and this was a mckinsey report uh, last year that they are saying only one in three workers reported feeling engaged at work and 51% said they did not feel a sense of belonging. So what I think is important now, and it comes back to this whole coaching philosophy, we're starting to see more and more now for leaders that the best development tool for leaders is coaching. It's not training. And I put that training per se in quotes because it's about understanding the person, understanding as we've touched on the strengths, what energizes them, and then thinking, right, so how do they become that better leader in their organization? But it's that one-to-one, -one, it's that understanding of the particular person, 
not this is a theory of leadership this is what you should do well no how do you think you should do it how do you add your unique part to this what makes your leadership authentic but if we're doing that for leaders why are we not and you know in, in the main because i know some companies are starting to do this do this for our teams and there's a lot of discussion now about the leader stroke manager being the coach now you imagine if that manager or leader deploys a coaching methodology with his team or with his or her team they'll get to understand their team more for coaching to work you've got to have that trust okay and that trust has got to be two-way it's an opportunity to understand more about your team members and what motivates them. What are their challenges? How are they feeling? And typically, and again, if you come back to um, use examples here, Clifton Strengths, another tool I use is Belbin, which is Belbin's all about understanding, you know, what are your preferred team roles in a team? There's nine team roles every team should have, it's been suggested. So actually, what do you do in a team? You understand all that. Maybe part of incre increasing productivity, increasing motivation, and actually communication and collaboration is maybe when you know more about the team, you've got a bigger chance of allocating the right job to the right person. But through coaching as well, because coaching is not just one-to-one, -one, you can do team coaching. If you have that culture there, that everyone can talk, then the rest of the team are gonna understand each other. So maybe when they've got a challenge, they go, well, actually, there's another member of my team. We were discussing this in team coaching. He's really good at that. That's a strength of his, or a, a Belbin team role, one of them is resource investigator. They love to go and speak to, you know, build relationships with external uh, stakeholders, be they within the company or, or outside the company. And maybe if we need that conversation with someone, that's the best person to do it. So what starts to develop over a period of time is that we understand what everyone's good at, what they enjoy doing. And then we understand, well, how do we allocate these tasks accordingly? Then what we see then, that motivation grows, but key to that with coaching, there's a development path. So some members of staff are not sitting there going, well, I'm not developing, I'm bored. You know, where, where am I going in the next couple of years? Coaching, if you've got a good manager or leader that's a coach, their job, right, let's look at your skills. Let's look at where you want to go. What's your goals? What's your vision over the next six, 12, 18, 24 months, whatever it might be. So suddenly it's all about long-term development and that personal growth for each member of the team. Yeah, I love that. So powerful. And um, yeah, getting everyone to uh, keep moving forward and, and growing them in different ways. And I love the, the leadership coach and I've, I'm an NLP master practitioner. And, you know, what I learned from my, my trainers that taught me that I did, did it twice with two different people is um, that it's not just for, you know, for coaches, but people that work like as leaders and managers, right? A lot of people don't think about it for this exact reason. So I think if everybody, whatever methodology, right, there's so many out there, learn these things, then it just helps, um, yeah, for massive growth and get everyone on that growth mindset. So I love that. And I guess we're moving in the right direction now, right? Like we're focusing on our strengths, we're getting the team on board, but 
a lot of the time, depending on the person's mindset, they may be having some doubts or, you know, limiting type of things that come up in their head going, oh, can I really do this? And, and everything like that. So what are your thoughts around how they can overcome their doubts, you know, about um, making sure that, you know, their talents and everything like that are really coming out and, and you know, showcasing them? Yeah. Here, th this is where we've got to understand what is causing those doubts. Now, it could be, and I, I've seen this with some clients, that it's not a doubt specifically about the task or project you're asking them to do. It might be something about that task or project that's triggering a past experience. Because it might be, and what we see, this is a, another area we look into for core energy coaching within our inner blocks, is it could be an interpretation or an assumption about this task or project that is causing that block. So what we need to do is, and again, we need patience, okay? I think any coach, you know, it's not up to me as a coach to, to drive, you know, how quickly should, the, the client should be developing. I'm sitting back and I'm working to the client's time skills. You know, some cl some clients will develop very quickly. Others, they need more time. But I've got to provide that time and have that patience. So I'm just going to have conversations. You know, why are you feeling this way? How else could you look at this? And what do you believe you need to do to try and, you know, help you get over this limitation that, or, or, or fear or stress you have over a particular task or project? But it's all about digging deep down, okay? And maybe some of it is actually down to, they're embarrassed to say, I don't know how to do it. Maybe it's nothing to do with the past. Maybe it's nothing to do with triggers. It's just maybe they, they just need some help. So maybe, you know, I take my coaching hat off, I put my training hat on, and we'll do a little bit of training on that if, if that's what is needed, okay? So... It could be a multiple array of things that could be causing these these kind of thoughts, but it's just about probing nice and slowly and gently, and you know, and getting the client eventually to open up to you and, and find out what it is that's causing it. It may be the client just does not know. Then it links back to what I said earlier. This could take three or four sessions to find out what is causing that issue. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And um, I guess now we're, we're moving forward, right? We're helping them as much as possible. We've got a bit of a plan, right? On goals with people, whatever that is. Now, let's say a logical next step for somebody, right? Um, it might not be everybody, but many people will get into like a leadership or management position, right? Like how do we take that that next step? And whether you're not within an organization or obviously you're the leader of the organization, it's still a step up, right? To move into yep. that framework so do you want to talk a little bit more about how you're helping people to really develop right these leadership management skills so they can get that transition and and how we you know connect and, and inspire um, other people and leaders as well okay actually it's an interesting question because it's quite timely i've got two clients at the moment who have just been promoted and this is through coaching and we're actually already even though they've just been promoted, we're now looking at the next three years. 
because we're looking at what's the next promotion opportunity. But what I do with clients, and if I give you these two examples at the moment, one of them, we are looking at job descriptions that we're hoping that this client will move, will get promoted to. And what we're doing is a leadership skills assessment. So we're saying, right, we've got you promoted to this next, to this next level of management, but how did we get you there, right? What are the skills that you are using in this particular, you know, since you've been promoted? And what I do, I do scaling. And I've, I've got one particular client, there's a whole load of leadership traits, and they've got to score out of 10 every week how they're performing against those traits. We are seeing a growth, and then when we reach 10, we then think, right, we've mastered those. These are now becoming a sustained uh, habit. It's what you now do without thinking. Now, the journey to get you to the next level. So what are the next lot of leadership skills that we need to develop? So what I do, because I'm a fellow of the Institute of Leadership and a chartered manager with CMI, so I give my clients, uh, I, I, there's documents I use from there about leadership development. And I ask, because when you if you coach with me, you always get an assignment, right? You've got stuff to do before our next session. But it's typically around reading. So I'll say, right, these are the next areas of leadership we need to start working on. Read these documents, do the exercises as part of them. And then in our next session, we're going to reflect, how did you feel? What did you take from what you were learning? What is this saying about you as a leader? And what do you now need to implement to start using these new skills? But how do we track your progress? How are we going to monitor your performance? And then I bring in more metrics as part of our you know, assignment on my coaching portal. And then we track that. And again, it's going back to what I mentioned earlier, we will have our metrics and we're scoring on that every week to see how that particular client's going. If, and we do see this, maybe on a particular leadership uh, trait, they were doing really well. And then suddenly, oh, something's happened. We're not doing as well now. Then we go and target that. And we say, okay, why? What's happening? You know, why do you think you're not doing as well? And then we dig into that. So I guess going back to your, your, your earlier question, it's all about looking two to three years ahead. So I'm thinking, right, I know where you are now. You might have just been promoted, but actually let's look at the next promotion and start building those skills over the next one or two years. So we're always looking ahead. And it's fascinating because for the clients, they love this because it's motivation. They've got that growth mindset. They want to keep learning. And providing the, and using the framework I use, it's working really well because the clients are feeling every month, they, they, you know, they are learning, they're developing, and we're evaluating, monitoring how they're getting on. Yeah, I love that. And what I love about a couple of those things is what you're actually doing is they're actually very transferable skills in a lot of areas, right? Like thinking ahead, strategizing, thinking many moves ahead, like a chess player or you're in business going, what's going to happen? How do I you know, minimize risk, maximize the output, right, of what we're doing here. So I think that's a, it's a very great framework in that respect or anything, just to get people to think, right, a bit differently here about it. And 
um, yeah, how you're moving people forward is, is really powerful. I love that um, section there too. And um, let's talk a bit about the ripple effect now because we, we, people are starting now to get more coaching, to, to grow personally, right? And it starts to have an effect. Because sometimes, you know, when there's people around them that um, are a bit more negative, it's a bit more challenging. But I think now as more and more people are evolving uh, and getting more growth, this can have a big effect around people. So you want to talk a little bit more about that, about what you're seeing and what's the, what the potential of it is as well. Yeah. The, the, the key thing for me and what I'm seeing more of now is this togetherness. You know, suddenly we've got teams that feel they are a team. Okay. If I can use a football analogy, if, if this is okay, because if, if I think of a team this year, there was one particular match I watched Manchester City against Arsenal and this was in April and I looked at the way Manchester City were playing and I thought wow this is a team playing because they all knew if I pass the ball to that person he's going to do x it just seemed to flow as if everyone knew what everyone's strengths were how they play the game what they would do in a way, it's like forecasting. If I know I pass it to that player, he will do X. So that for me summed up, and it, it, that match will stay in my mind for many years. That I thought that is how a team works well. You put that into the workplace. When everyone understands more about each other, I know if I was to pass a task, task to you, Athen, ah, because I know Athen's good at X, Y, and Z. I know what energizes him. I know, you know, what value he adds. I'm comfortable passing it to him because he's going to fly. I'm not so good at it. I'll go and do something else that's good for me. So that togetherness, that communication, collaboration. And I think more importantly than all of that, are we not building more trust? Because that's what I'm seeing. Trust for me is, you know, is the linchpin, is the key thing of, of a team. Because we know each other. But I think there's one interesting aspect here we've got to watch as a leader or manager. Hybrid working. Now, there's a lot going on at the moment. There's a lot of discussion in the press. A lot of companies are saying, no, we want you back in the office. This remote working isn't working. Interestingly enough, we're talking about energy and coaching. One of the things I'm finding is that some staff are, uh, some of my clients are struggling with remote working because as part of understanding and what drives their energy, they're not getting the social skills or social interaction that actually energizes them. And some clients have said to me, I'm actually going into the office now regardless. It's, it's not working for me being on more all the time, okay? Each one of us is different. But I think going back to the remote working, I think if, depending on what the company is doing and how the team want to operate, if we've got that togetherness, if we've got this, you know, if we think about the ripple effect, if any, you would hope, and I'm starting to see this, that actually remote working isn't so much of a challenge because we kind of know each other more, Okay. But I still put a warning if we're too remote and we don't see the team all the time. And I know some people might disagree with this. Do, do we actually lose the ripple effect? It could actually start to turn negative because we might start to forget what people can do. 
how people act and, and, and you know, how they perform in a particular team. So I think it's it, it, it's going to be down to the individual leader or manager to think about this and how their team wants to operate. But I think just bear in mind that, you know, going back to the benefits of the ripple effect, what it can do, okay? This takes time. It's not an overnight. But if you've got that long-term plan and you're thinking, right, if I can get, you know, structure the team in this way, have that, you know, this culture in the team, it can have so many benefits. And maybe one of the, the other key one here is maybe we're going to start to see some less quiet quitting. If you think back to the statistics I, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, if the team's more engaged, they feel that there's a purpose, they feel that they're learning, that might well reduce the amount of quiet quitting going on and reduce your head, you know, turnover as well. Because you think, how much does it cost to keep getting new staff all the time? Why don't you utilize what you've got and keep those creative juices going? And probably final part on that is when I think about uh, creativity, if we're inspired by others, we're learning by others, how much more creative then do we come? It goes back to, if, if we're talking to our team or we're communicating more, how many more strategic moments are we coming across? You might just say something to me off chance about something we're doing and suddenly, ah, that just triggered a thought in my mind. Maybe we should do X. Maybe we should do something new or we should do a project in a certain way. All about innovation, creativity. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Love that section, all those different elements of what we need to think about and, um, yeah, really cultivate and get everyone in the right positions and the whole team of growth and everything like that. Really powerful and so much knowledge and, and wisdom um, and gold um, share with us today, mate. And I guess as we're wrapping up here today, what one key piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs watching and listening today? Oh, key piece of advice for entrepreneurs. Um I guess have have that self-awareness, okay? Understand who you are and what your strengths are. But actually on top of that, if I think about why I'm doing what I'm doing, it's driven by passion because I just love helping people. I want you know people to do the best they can. So maybe when you've got that self-awareness, what is your what is your passion? What's driving what you want to do? Because there are bumps on the way for any business, right? We're going to have some bits where it's working well and then suddenly things are not going well. We need to think about our strategy again. But that passion, that resilient, you know, thinking again about resilience, if we're determined to do something, the barriers that come up don't seem as bad because we're determined to smash through them, because we're determined to get our goal at the end, Okay. But have patience, you know. I think is, I'm talking essentially talking to a number of coaches at the minute. Some of us are finding typically that things are a little bit slower at the moment. Okay, thinking of world economy, right? UK not good news this week. We've still got a big problem with core inflation, and um, this is putting up mortgage rate, interest rates. Mortgage rates are going up. This is having an impact on spend, right? I was talking to someone yesterday, a business owner. People are holding, they're conscious of what's happening. They're a little bit, you know, kind of worried. So a lot of spend has been held back. Not everywhere, but in, certainly in some areas. So just be aware of what's happening economically in the region or country you want to operate. 
and think, okay, well, how is that going to impact my growth? And maybe it's going to be a slow year or two, but actually if things pick up, your foundations are in, maybe that kind of quiet period has given you a chance to get your foundations in, really think your strategy, you might well be ready for when the bounce comes. Oh, touch wood, the bounce will come. Uh, we don't know when, but yeah, but that that would be my initial advice, certainly from, from my experience. So. Yeah, I love that. So sure, you completely agree with um, all that area there. And um, yeah, whatever there's little lulls or whatever, you get yourself ready to keep bouncing back up. Love that, mate. And yeah, we connected to our networks. So I learned about your awesome journey from starting in IT to now, you know, helping individual organizations reach their full potential. Uh, awesome guy, so knowledgeable, so much gold shared today. I'm sure you'll continue to help people realign their energy and facilitate them becoming true masters of themselves. I'm very grateful that we connected and I look forward to working with you. So, Alec, how can people find you and get in contact with you? Yeah, you can email me. Well, actually, LinkedIn is probably easiest. If you, you can find me on LinkedIn, Alec Pearson, uh, you can email me, Alec at alecpearsoncoaching.com or my website, which is www.alecpearsoncoaching.com. Awesome, guys. Definitely check out Alec on socials, websites, and all of that. Um, you know, so knowledgeable in all these different spaces um, to get yourself to that next level, whether it's yourself individually, as well as your organization too. And, and I want to thank everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube as Ethan Cassiotis. So visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. And if you want to grow and scale your business, you reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. I completely agree with you. Or do I? The only way who knows if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results. Mm -hmm.